It was September of 2008. And I was sitting in a boardroom across the table from a record label executive who had just proudly announced to me the plans that were in the works for me to record a brand new album. Well, fast forward 12 years later, and that album has just finally seen the light of day. Hey, welcome to the RizCast podcast. My name is Justin Rizzo. I am a songwriter, a recording artist, and a playwright, and I love all things creative. And this is a place where I'm sharing aspects and portions of my journey and also bringing on a bunch of other creative people that we would encourage and strengthen one another. If you're a creative person listening to this, no matter what your creative field, you're probably well aware that there are so many things that can hinder and be roadblocks to you being creative, whether they're things in your heart, in your mind, things externally that come against you, time management, all the different types of things. This is a place where we seek to encourage and strengthen you on your creative journey. And today I want to talk about my most recent creative work. It's a full-length worship album uh, that came out just a couple of weeks ago on March 20th. It's called Love So Fierce. If you haven't heard it yet, uh, you can check it out. I'm going to be doing a couple of the behind the songs types of things here in the next couple of weeks and playing some different clips here on the show. But you can go check that out. It's streaming wherever you uh, stream music and listen to music. Now, as it is with all creative works, there are fascinating stories behind something going from a concept in someone's mind to actually seeing the light of day. When I see someone's finished product of their work of art, whether it be a play, a song, an album, a dance, a painting, whatever it is, I love interviewing that person and asking them questions to see, you know, how did you actually accomplish this beautiful piece of art? And Love So Fierce, this album that came out just a couple of weeks ago, is is no different. And I want to share just one aspect of this album that really, for better or for worse, it, it's for better, I believe it, it is for better, that will this album will forever be ingrained in my brain, in my heart, in my mind, in my emotions as delay, waiting, and perseverance. And in one sense, it's it's very, very beautiful. And I've come to to view this album as an altar. You know, in the Old Testament, there's there's several different kinds of altars, but one of the kinds of altars is an altar of remembrance. In Joshua in chapter four, after the Lord dried up the Jordan River, they placed twelve stones on top of each other, one for each of the tribes. And Joshua said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. And so this album for me has become an altar of remembrance to the faithfulness of God in the midst of delay. So I want to share a bit of this story, of this journey of how this album came to be. And really, I want to summarize it up with this phrase, don't waste time waiting on God. Don't waste time when you're given an invitation to wait on the Lord. So, of course, we all have to wait for things that we prefer not to wait, but 12 years for something that I expected to take less than 12 months? I mean, how do you trust God when something that you really want, something that you even believe with all of your heart that He has um, put inside of you to do and has called you to do, takes so long? So, the delay of fulfilled promises happens to all of us. And the question is, how do we respond to the delay? Are we going to waste the time 
waiting on God, or are we going to maximize it and allow Him to use it in our lives? Of course, it's a lot easier said than done. I wish I could tell you that I, I trusted God completely with unwavering patience uh, for the past 12 years, but the real story is a bit bumpier, as real stories usually are, and my delay became apparent in short increments, which in one sense I'm grateful for, and in another sense I'm, I wish it could have just been told, hey, it's going to be this this long. Okay, now that I know that, I can just kind of prep myself. But instead, it came in short increments. Each spring, for example, I would be told, hey, your album is being pushed back to the fall. And then in the fall, I'd be told, hey, your album is being pushed back to next spring. And this went on and on and on for so long that I actually just began to kind of think in my own human reasoning and thinking it was even the, the Lord calling me and saying, hey, Justin, take the cue, man. You're not going to be recording music in this way anymore. And that train of thinking even began to make more sense to me because in 2009, uh, this is a longer story for a different time, but the Lord called me into the arts and entertainment uh, industry. But even as he was leading me towards you know, musicals and films and all these other creative avenues, I still felt this, this tug deep down in my heart to write and record worship music. And the desire was so strong that I continued to co-write worship songs multiple hours a week. In some seasons, I would be co-writing about 15 hours a week. And I remember so many times leaving these co-writing sessions and the way that I would have it make sense in my brain of why I was spending all this time was, oh, I'm sure that maybe that I'm doing this because someone else or, you know, someone else in the co-writing group is going to be recording the songs. And I and I kind of just made peace with that, that I wouldn't be the one recording them, but other people would, you know, and I, and I found some sense of joy and fulfillment in that. Now, fast forward to 2016. We're about eight years into this waiting thing. And like I said, I've, I'm pretty much convinced at this point that it's the Lord's will that I will be a songwriter, that other people will record the songs, and I will not be recording uh, worship music anymore. And so I'm in Nashville, Tennessee in June of 2016 for a writing trip. And thinking back upon that trip now, I can really see clearly how the Lord was at work and different things were aligning and happening. But in the moment, I was so shut down to this idea that I was strictly there to write. And that's pretty much all I was interested in and all I was there to do. So it's now the second or third day that we're there uh, doing some songwriting. And we're staying with a friend of ours named Chris McClarney, who's an amazing worship leader. He's with Jesus Culture. So we're staying at his house and, and uh, we we're heading out the door to songwrite for the day. And he says, hey, I have a couple of producer friends who are coming over tonight to, to hang out. And it was, you know, kind of said just such in passing that, you know, I left for the day and for whatever reason, I kind of just put it out of my brain and thought, oh yeah, that's that's not happening. Like no one's coming over tonight. But sure enough, we get back uh, that that day from songwriting and and uh, two producers came over and one of those producers' names was Pete Kipley. Now, Pete is a world-class producer. You may know him from a little song uh, done a couple of years ago called I Can Only Imagine. Uh, he produced that song. He's also uh, done a ton of production for Phil Wickham, for Matthew West, and a bunch of other artists. So to make a long story short, after uh, several hours, there was a group of us on the back patio at Chris's house connecting. Um, Pete says to me, says, I want to help you produce an album. Now, again, I was so convinced by this point that this was not God's will for me that I barely even acknowledged Pete's offer. 
So I finished up the writing trip there in Nashville. It was a great time. I come back to Kansas City, back to, to work, and just really didn't think another thing about it until three months later, I'm having coffee with a friend of mine. And we're just kind of, you know, sharing life updates. And so I tell him about this writing trip to Nashville and, you know, meeting these producers and what was said. And immediately I'm met with this almost, uh, I mean, a rebuke is way too strong of a word, but a very passionate response from this person saying, you need to take him up on that offer. You know, and, and they started talking about the, the the classic story of the person who's on their rooftop and there's a, there's a flood and you know a helicopter comes along and they say oh no i'm i'm waiting for the lord you know to to deliver me and the, the helicopter flies away and then of course the canoe comes along and the person says hey hop in my canoe i'll rescue you from this flood and they say oh no i'm waiting for you know the lord to deliver me from the flood and of course he he dies and then when he gets up into heaven he said lord i thought that you were going to deliver me from the flood and the lord says i sent a helicopter and a canoe for you to hop in and you chose not to So three months after meeting Pete, I finally contacted him back and I said, hey, I've been songwriting a lot. I have about 90 demos ready. Do you want to hear them? So several months and several trips to Nashville later, um, we ended up choosing songs for an album. We would end up going to a small town in kind of the middle of nowhere, uh, about two hours outside of Dallas called Cisco, Texas, where there's this beautiful, beautiful studio and we recorded an album. So finally, the hope and expectation that was born you know, in 2008 was seeming like it was going to be fulfilled. Wrong again. Due to a variety of circumstances, the album was delayed. So another two and a half years go by, and now I'm really questioning God again of, okay, Lord, I thought I had surrendered this dream and I thought we had both kind of agreed that I wasn't going to be doing this anymore. Why did you allow this dream to come again, to take root in my heart, just to make me wait again? Now, there's a lot of things that we could talk about, a lot of lessons that the Lord taught me, and so many things that He did through this season, the different stories that happened. But to summarize up this season, it has to be the statement that I said earlier in the show, don't waste time waiting on God. The time that you have in the waiting, don't waste that time. And so many times during this season, a verse that would come to my heart and to my mind is found in James chapter 1, verse 4. Let patience have its perfect work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I have read and prayed and sang that verse quite often over the past 12 years. And if I had to summarize what the the Lord has taught me in the waiting, in my situation, waiting for an album, is that my life is not just about doing a bunch of stuff, even stuff for Him. First and foremost, my life is about having a relationship with Him. If he just wanted a bunch of stuff and you know tasks to be accomplished, he could have created robots. Instead, he created you and I. He created humans with a capacity to persevere and to choose love and friendship above anything else. That you shall love the Lord your God, as it says in Matthew chapter 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, 
mind, and strength. Now, for me, growing up in the church, that verse pretty much meant stop sinning, Justin, get your act together, and love God with your life. And, and sure, it can mean that because we love, we show and demonstrate our love through obedience, but it also means a genuine two-way connected friendship with God, that He wants us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. If we cling to the dream more than to the dream giver, disappointment is inevitable. But if we find a way to go after his heart in the midst of unexplained delays, we can avoid wasting the waiting. We can emerge from delays with a prize more valuable than any we started out pursuing, a deep, enduring, intimate friendship with God. I mean, Jesus himself waited 30 years before he did any ministry that we're aware of. Why? Because it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, he was growing in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. He was becoming our brother. That he's not just someone, you know, far off in heaven and, you know, is our king and our Lord and all these different things. He's also, the book of Hebrews calls him your brother. He, he knows the path that you were living. He's experienced delay and waiting. He has grown in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man, fully as a human as he walked here upon the earth. It's fascinating to think about. Jesus knows and empathizes with our weaknesses, and he comes with deep love to meet us there. Now, I realize that waiting 12 years for a worship album is nothing in the grand scheme of things. And you may have even been listening to this podcast frustrated because how trite what I'm talking about may sound compared to what you're facing. You know, maybe you're you're waiting to, to have a child, you're waiting to meet your future spouse, you're waiting for healing to come to a sickness, or you're waiting to see a lost loved one come to the Lord. You know, maybe it feels like you're in a storm right now much like the one that Jesus' disciples experienced on the Sea of Galilee, you know, when Jesus was asleep in the boat. And I'm sure the disciples were, were wondering, hey, why isn't Jesus like waking up to help us? I thought he's supposed to be, you know, all-knowing and all-powerful. We're about to sink and drown. Jesus, though silent, he was not absent. He was right there in the boat, in the storm, with them. He just wasn't worried. I heard a preacher say that recently, and that, that struck me, and it's so profound. Jesus, though silent, was not absent. He was right there in the boat, going through the storm with them. He just wasn't worried. So I want to encourage you that whatever delays you find yourself in today, the Lord is right there with you. He's not worried. He sees, he knows, he hears your prayers. And I invite you to consider that he may want to speak to you the same thing he spoke to me. It's all about friendship. God is with you in the delay, ready and willing to talk. And it's, I know it's so easy to, to lose sight of this, but it's not about getting to the destination. It's about walking with him all along the path. And I believe that one of the things the Lord uses seasons of delay 
to do is to get a hold of our hearts in a way that maybe when we're just kind of going from thing to thing to thing, it can be easy to lose sight of. But He wants the the gaze of our eyes. He wants us leaning on Him in a love and a friendship that will outlast any delay that we're currently experiencing. Don't waste this precious time of waiting on God. Don't waste time waiting on God. This album for me is an altar of friendship. It's an altar of remembrance that will forever be um, etched in my mind as the faithfulness of the Lord. And I'll remember, I have things in these past 12 years that are are, um, rooted in my memory that I'll remember the Lord spoke and he drew me close to himself. So I I pray that as you have an opportunity to, to listen to this album, Love So Fierce, that was over 12 years in the making, you'll find messages woven throughout it that the Lord took his time to prepare just for you. I pray that patience would have its perfect work in all of us, that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Thanks so much for listening to the RizCast podcast. I always want to hear from you. Please hit me up at podcast at justinrizzo.com. Also, a huge thank you to Judah Earl for the original music and to Michael Dinsmore for the art design.